So we've been doing this series, Heaven and Nature Singing. You know, I think it's interesting. Most of us probably have a favorite song. And it may not be a church song. But I bet every one of us somewhere has a song, has a hymn, or something that we could literally sing in our head. We could probably come up here right now, and if I said, John, come on up here and sing your favorite song, he'd probably be able to come up here and sing with no background music. Mary had a little lamb. There you go. <laughs> he'd probably be able to come up and sing it without any background music. And most of us are probably the same way. You can remember the song, you remember the verses, and I remember growing up, you know, back in my day, you know, cassette tapes, and you'd play the song, and then what'd you do? You'd rewind it, and then you'd play it again, then you'd rewind it, and got so good that I put a little mark on the cassette tape so I knew where to rewind it to, so I didn't go too far, or didn't go too short, and so we could just hear this song over and over and over again. You know, nowadays, what do we say? Hey, Siri, play this song. Siri, play my favorite song, and Siri plays your favorite song. But we all have a favorite song. Think about yours. Think about the favorite song you have or the favorite hymn you have. You know, like I said, in most cases, we can just sing the song in our head. We know it that much. And kind of as we continue this series, Heaven and Nature Sing, and as, as we're looking at the songs the original Christmas songs that are written in the Gospels, this morning brings us to our third song. It brings us to the third song. We've looked at Mary's song. We've looked at Zachariah's song. And this morning we're going to be looking at the angel's song. And I think it's interesting because this song is short. It is a short, short, short song. It's so short you can actually read the lyrics in less than 10 seconds. In less than 10 seconds, you get the lyrics to this song. And although it's, it's short, it's probably one of our favorite Christmas songs. We just haven't looked at it as a song. Because unfortunately, many Christians and non-Christians, we all know this portion of Scripture. We could probably all recite it without even looking in our Bibles. All I would have to do is start to say it, and everyone in your mind, you'd be able to finish saying it. Because it's like that favorite song, we know what it is. And, and most of us as kids who grew up in church, we were part of a Christmas pageant with this part of the scripture. You know, the kids would come out in white robes and halos on their head, and they'd all come out and, and be singing, and then one child would stand up in front and say the verses to this song. And like I said, we all know them. And if you have your Bible, like I said, it's, it's, uh, if you have your Bible, going to be in Luke chapter 2, two verses, 13 and 14. Now, like Zechariah and uh, Mary's song, this one's very brief. There's actually only 15 words in the song. So it is short, but man, it is packed with a promise. It is so packed with a promise. So if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you, open up to Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew. But as always, it will be up here on the screen. So with that being said, Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host 
with the angel praising God and saying, get ready, here come the lyrics. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Or as many of us probably remember it, goodwill to men. Because that's how we remembered it. So we remember this verse. We remember this song. Because we've listened to it over and over every year. It's part of the Christmas story. Linus even says this part of the Christmas story. So we, we all know it and we all understand it. And I think one of the things that we have to understand is in our darkest times, in our darkest times, Christ brings hope by being born to us. And he's, even though he's destined to die on a cross. And we also know that in our darkest, um, in the time of our darkest, of our darkness of desperation, we see this great angelic host appears to some lowly shepherds, to lowly ones, just as Jesus has appeared to us. Now, I think it's interesting at the beginning of this, the word praising in verse 13 can actually be used to re represent a hymn or a song. They're praising, they're singing, they're glorifying. And understand, this is a heavenly host singing. It's a heavenly host. I bet it was loud. I bet it was loud. Think about it. It's a heavenly host. There's a whole bunch of angels singing all together. It wasn't to tickle someone's ear. It was to glorify God that they were singing. I bet it was loud, just like when we get to heaven. I think heaven's going to be loud because remember when we get there, what are we all doing? We're all praising and singing to the Lord. It's going to be loud. We don't sing loud. I think it's going to be louder than any of us ever think. But ultimately, you look at it, what is this song about? It emphasizes bringing glory to God. Glorifying God in what he does. And I think we can learn from this. I think as people and I think as churches, we can learn from what these angels did and how they sought to glorify God in what they did. You know, ultimately it's showing that it's all about our creator. Glorifying the one who created the heavens and the earth. Glorifying the one who came incarnate to this earth to provide us with salvation. That's what they're singing to. That's who they're singing to, and that's who they're trying to glorify. The song begins with glory. Glory. That's pretty amazing. I, even the song that we sang to this morning, think about doxology. We sang a more contemporary, longer version of the doxology this morning. You know, the doxology actually only has 25 words. 25 words. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. 25 words that is packed with so much. But what is the song about? Praising God. It's about praising and glorifying God. And we actually get our English word glory from the, from the Greek word doxa, D-O-X-A, which means doxology. So that's actually what the doxology is about praising God and exactly what we see today, bringing glory and praising God. And you think about the doxology, it is one of them songs that you want to sing over and over in your head. 
It's only 25 words and you want to sing it more than once. You want to continue because you're praising God in the, in the time of you doing it. So you, what do you do? You sing it over and over and over again. Because you're trying to glorify and bring praise to God. And this is exactly what we see the angels are doing, is they're glorifying God. Because he's the only one worthy to be praised. It's all about him and not about us. And think about this. These angels came to announce the coming of the Messiah to an environment that was not seeing peace. It wasn't peaceful at the time in Jerusalem. It wasn't peaceful for the Jews because of the Roman oppression and because of the Roman Empire. But they had this manufactured political peace. And because the Roman government was very big on, we're, we're about peace, we're about peace, we're about peace, and we're going to drill it into everyone's head. So you think it's really about peace, but in real life it wasn't about peace at all. It was about control. So, so these words would have meant so much to the Jews who were there knowing that peace was coming. Knowing that there was actually going to be peace. It wasn't manufactured peace because the government strong-armed you to say, you're happy, right? Oh yeah, I'm happy. But are you really? But you understand, that's what was going on. And we kind of see that in today's culture a little bit, but I'm not going there. It's already, we're not going there. <laughs> but, you, but you think about it in life, most people, most people, most countries, most families, what are we looking for? We're looking for peace. We're looking for real peace, that peace that surpasses all other. And, and, and as we try and find that peace, it can't be manufactured. You can't make up that peace. Yes, you can walk around and you can say, I'm fine. But we know you're really not fine. It's all in the tone on how you do it. So, so they're looking for this peace. And this announcement brings that hope. That hope of peace that's coming to them. And I think we, we really got to look at, who is this audience? Who is the audience that the angels came to? It's some lowly shepherds. Lowly shepherds. They're not the high and mighty. They're not the mayor of the village. They're not the mayor of Bethlehem. It's not the religious elite. It's shepherds in the fields. That, were, that they came to. Now, wouldn't you think if God was going to have a concert of angels, that at least they would have sang to all of Bethlehem instead of just some shepherds out in the, out in the fields? I just find it rather interesting and, and to know that, that these lonely outcasts, the shepherds, are who God brought the gospel to first. He brought it to those who felt like they were left out, like they were leftovers. And what I want to do before we get into that is read the verses that came right before this. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 12, it says this. In the same region, shepherds were, were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. 
This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in, in cloth and lying in a manger. You know, as I was looking at this, I, I looked and there was a theologian by the name of R. Kent Hughes who had some insight and he actually says this. According to the Mishnah, the writings of great Jewish rabbis, shepherds were actually under a ban. They were regarded as thieves. The only, uh, the only people lower than shepherds at this particular time in Jewish history was the lepers. And scholars speculate that the only reason the flocks were so close in, in was because these men were keeping the sacrificial animals for the temple. So they were keeping the animals, they were keeping the flock that they were going to use for a sacrifice, but they were considered thieves. They were considered out, they were just above lepers. But yet, what they were doing, keeping over the flock, the perfect sheep, the perfect goat, whatever it was to be sacrificed, they were allowed to do that, but they were considered thieves and outcasts. I think sometimes we get caught up that same way. You get caught up with, I'm religious. Well, I'm a Christian. You're not. And we all get caught up the same way. And I just believe, think it's unbelievable that the angels showed up to a bunch of shepherds. Showed up to a bunch of shepherds. And, and in the eyes of many, the angel would never show up to a shepherd. Why would they go to them? They were never found worshiping God in the temple. And they couldn't go to the temple and worship God because they didn't keep the hygiene rituals. Well, they couldn't keep the hygiene rituals because what were they doing? They were watching the flocks so that they could have animals to sacrifice. But they wouldn't allow them to come and go to it. Their reputation was lowly at best. The religious people snubbed them and ignored them. They were the outcast. They were the leftovers in this Christmas story. They were despised, unable to attend services. But you know what? What a beautiful foretaste to salvation. What a foretaste to the message of salvation for all of us. God gave the first message of his son coming to common shepherds, those who were thought to be sinners, that people considered to be sinners. But isn't that kind of the, the way the Christmas story plays out anyways? Think about it. Joseph wasn't a king. Joseph wasn't a king. He was a carpenter. Mary wasn't from the upper class. She was a commoner, a lowly commoner. Bethlehem surely isn't Rome. Surely wasn't Jerusalem. And think about this. A lonely bar, barn outside of an overcrowded inn definitely isn't the Ritz. They didn't have the best of anything. And, and I want, as you think about this, don't get used to just reading over this part of Scripture. Because I think a lot of times we look at this and we just kind of gloss over it to see what it's all about. Don't let it grow old. Because, you know, I think the wonder of Christmas, the true wonder of Christmas is, is that the one the world's not worthy of, Jesus, that we're not worthy of, came to those who never felt worthy. Let me say that again. The one that the world is not worthy of came to, uh, to those who have never felt worthy. 
The angel's appearance was in splendor glory. You know, it's the first thing that happened. Do not be afraid. All of a sudden, these shepherds out in the field see all the glory of God coming in an angel, and they're told, do not be afraid. That sounds kind of familiar. Zachariah was told, don't be afraid. Mary was told, don't be afraid. I think if one of us, if an angel showed up and we saw the glory of God, every one of us would be in the same way. We'd be a little bit afraid. Is this a train coming at me? I see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I think we'd all be afraid, but how comforting is the words, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And that's exactly what they hear. The angel came, he proclaimed the Messiah's birth, and then charged the shepherds to go visit the child. Told them, you need to go see. They won't let you in the temple, but you need to go and see this child. You will find the child in a manger, lying in a manger. A Savior was coming to call sinners to repentance. And the angels brought it to the sinners first. I think it's interesting. Luke chapter 5, verse 31 through 32 says this. And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And even the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 26 through 29 said this, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring nothing, things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Think about this. The greatest need, if our greatest need would have been information, God would have brought a teacher or an educator. If our greatest need would have been technology, God would have brought a scientist. If our greatest need would have been finances, he probably would have brought us a financial advisor. But you see, our greatest needs forgiveness. So he brought us a savior. Amen. He brought us the Messiah. And look at verse 14 again. It says, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. His peace is timely, isn't it? It seems to come right when we need it. And, and it's something that we always look for. And you think of it, even the sound of the word peace brings a... Doesn't it? When you think of peace, you... How often do we get to do that in life today? Just sit back and, man, oh, I got peace today. Woo! It don't happen too often in today's world. It really don't happen. And, and, and you look at peace is so common through this Christmas story. It's so common, but it's the most elusive in reality. Peace is so hard to get a hold of in life. You, you think of it. Conflicts rage. We have conflicts all the time throughout this life. Families are fractured. Think of this time of the year with everything going on. You know, friendships are strained. We may have heavy hearts. Something's going on in our life. And I think that's why this song that the angels sing speaks so much to us. It speaks so much to us because we're looking for peace in this time. 
We're looking for peace in our lives. We're looking for something just to be able to go, because we're so caught up. We get so caught up in all the stuff that's going around us and it just makes no sense whatsoever. And this simple short melody reminds us that Jesus offers us peace. Jesus offers us peace. Peace is so hard to find in this world, but it's the very gift that we so desperately need and we have a hard time finding it. But notice, I want you to know something in this scripture. Peace is connected to Jesus. No Jesus, no peace. Think about that. No Jesus, no peace. It's linked to the favor of God, and that's who his favor rests on. And it made me really think about, you know, in, in the Jewish language, in Hebrew, they got a word, shalom. Most of us know the word shalom. Most of us know, hey, shalom means peace. But it's a little deeper than that. It actually has two different meanings to it. The first meaning of shalom actually says this. It's perfect serenity and happiness and contentment and joy that's rooted in a right relationship with God. That's the first meaning of shalom. The second meaning of the word addresses the need for a right relationship with others. So you think about this, it, 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 it has to do with fellowship and goodwill towards men goodwill towards each other. And you can't have the second type of shalom if you don't have the first type of shalom. So, so you can't have that friendship and peace with others if first you don't have it with God. And that's where it needs to start. In other words, peace, the peace of God's always conditional. It's always conditional to get that peace of God. And it's conditioned upon that right relationship with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it comes from, through that relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you want peace, and if I want peace in me, and I want peace with others, I want you to listen closely to this. In order to have that peace, I've got to start with being at peace with God and in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. And if I'm in conflict with others, it's probably because I'm in conflict with myself, which means I'm probably in conflict with God. So if I want to be right here, if I want to be right with God, I've got to be able to be right with myself and right with God in that relationship with Jesus in order to be right with others. Because if this is missing, none of the other is going to happen. Peace is connected with my relationship with Jesus Christ. And if I can't have that peace, I'm never going to have peace within myself, and I'm never going to be able to have peace with other people. And so many times we can't have peace with other people, and we try and blame it on something else, when instead of just looking inside and looking at ourselves, go, you know, I got no peace in me. Because if you got no peace inside, you're not going to have it anyplace else. You're not going to be able to have peace with others and you're definitely not going to have peace with God because you're going to question that relationship. You're going to, man, I, I just can't do this. God, where are you? And most of the time it's because our heart is not in the right place. So if we want that peace and we want everything, it's connected to God. It's connected to Jesus Christ. 
The Prince of Peace is where we get our peace from. It's available. We just have to receive it. We just have to openly receive that peace that comes from Jesus Christ. And it's the hardest thing for us to do. Because we let ourselves get in the way. We get in the way of that peace because we try and manufacture it ourselves. Just like in this time, the Roman government was trying to manufacture peace. How many times do we try and manufacture peace in our own lives? Instead of allowing the peace of Jesus to live through us. Be in us and with us and through us. As I said, no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. And you know that there, there's nothing that's going to happen today that you and God can't handle together. That's when you know peace. Knowing your circumstances, knowing what's going on. And you think about it, even in the Christmas story, everyone in the Christmas story has troubled hearts. Every one of them has something going on. You think about it. Joseph had to be troubled when he found out his fiance was pregnant. Man, he had to be troubled to hear that. You think about Mary. Mary had to be troubled when the angel come to her and told her, you're going to give birth to a child. And she's like, well, wait, I've never been with a man. And what am I going to tell my parents that I'm now pregnant and I'm engaged, but he's not the daddy? You know, she had to be troubled. And even after the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph had to be troubled because they found out there's a contract on Jesus' head. So they had to leave and run to Egypt for a while before they could come back. So the whole thing has trouble in it. And it, the scripture even tells us that Jesus himself had sorrows. Jesus, and, and but we expect our life to, I'm good. I've accepted Jesus. I'm not going to have any sorrows. Yes, we will still have sorrows, but we can have peace through them by seeing him and looking to him in it. You know, think about this time. You know what's going on in your life. You know the things that are going on. And right now your life may be having troubles. You may be having troubles in your life. Maybe your health is sliding. Maybe you got depression and it's building up this time of the year. Maybe the biopsy was malignant. Or maybe you have a child that's breaking your heart. That's not communicating with you. And this time of the year, you just want to be able to reach out and hold on to them. Maybe during this year, you've buried a loved one. Or maybe you've discovered that your best friend really isn't your best friend. You see, there's a thousand and one different things right now and reasons to disrupt our peace during this time of Christmas. Man, every one of us could probably list something different that disrupts that peace. But if we're in Christ and we hold on to that peace because his future and our future relies on his promises. Real peace is knowing that the pain in my life will not outlast God's plan for my life. That's real peace. Even Romans 8.18 says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You see, God takes life's broken pieces and gives us unbroken peace. As our lives are a mess, he can give us that peace that only comes through him. And if you notice verse 11 said it's for all people. For all people. It's not just for those who have it together. It's not just for those who are perfect. It's not for those, those who think they're deserving or that they're worthy of it. It's for all people. Thank God for that. Because most of us wouldn't have been able to get it. Because none of us are deserving 
None of us are worthy. Some of us may think we are, but none of us are. And God sent a choir of angels to serenade a ragtag group of shepherds. Probably wearing the only clothes they had was probably on their back. The smell of sheep all over them. And think about it, two years, 2,000 years later, over 2,000 years later, we still talk about the shepherds. We talk about the shepherds in the Christmas story. But you know, we don't have any of their staffs in a museum. We don't see any of their writings in the Bible. We don't see any of their writings in the library. We don't even know their names. We have no idea who they are. They're just simple, common, and nameless. Simple, common, and nameless. We don't know who they are. But they were important enough for God to notice. And if you ever feel like you're not important enough, think of these shepherds. Like I said, don't just read through the scripture and let it just flow past you. God announced the birth of the Messiah, of the Savior to the world, to those who did not deserve it. Just like us. Just like everyone here. Whether you're in this room or joined us for church online. None of us deserved it. But that's the way God works. The gospel is for everyone. And all we have to do is accept it. All we have to do is accept that gift from God. Accept it. And I know a lot of us can see ourselves as shepherds. But as I said at the beginning, remember, in our darkest time, Christ brings us hope by being born and destined to die for the sins of humanity. He came for us. He came for sinners. He came for the outcasts. And he came to bring us good news, just like he did the shepherds. None of us deserve it. But yet he's come to us and allowed us to partake in his peace. He's come to us and shown us what peace can be. And like I said, it's about having that right relationship. Having that relationship between God and you through Jesus Christ. Loving yourself and having that peace inside your own heart. So then you can be at peace with others. And maybe you're sitting here today saying, Pastor, I just don't have that peace. Well, I encourage you, take that step. And whatever it is that's keeping you from that peace, if, if you're not having peace with others, look to yourself. What is going on inside of you that's preventing you from having that peace? And odds are, if you're not at peace with yourself, you're probably not at peace with God because of something. Get it right. Get that relationship right. Like when we did communion earlier, the one thing we said is examine yourself. Make sure you're in that right relationship. Make sure you're in that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Get that peace so you can have that peace inside yourself so then you can have that peace with others. And if you don't know Jesus, I encourage you to come up. Hey, he was announced to shepherds. So hey, you're, you're just in good company. They didn't deserve it. They weren't good enough. They weren't high class. They, 
They weren't perfect. But that's who God announced the coming of the Messiah to. So if you're waiting to get your act together, just consider yourself a shepherd. God's word says we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. All of us. But it also said in the scripture that it is for all people, which means all of us. And God's word says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Then you can start working on that peace. Get that right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now work on that peace within yourself so you can have peace with others. So if you haven't accepted Jesus, I encourage you, you could do it today because today is the day of salvation. Take that step up here during this final song. We'll say the sinner's prayer together and we'll welcome you to the family. And if you're not seeing that peace in your life, maybe you just need to come up here and give it to God and say, God, I know you are the reason for this season, but I don't have peace. Bring me that peace that only you can provide. He is the Prince of Peace and called the Prince of Peace for a reason. Come up here and get his peace. Kneel at the altar or in the pew where you're at, or if you joined us church online right where you're at, get that peace that only he can provide. Make that move and have peace for Christmas. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we just thank you. We thank you that you brought the message of a Savior to those who didn't deserve it. Because Lord, we don't deserve it. So Lord, that really opened up the door for us to understand your love. And Lord, as we seek that peace during this time of the year, we don't want it to be manufactured. We want it to be real. And we know that kind of peace only comes from you. So Lord, I ask that you give us peace this week. And Lord, that you continue to be with us as we speak your truth to those we come in contact with. And Lord, that someone will come to know you this week. And make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.